0: So this evening is our our third week in this series called The Road to Easter. It's the series that we're exploring in Lent. And what we've been doing is looking, well, we've only been in chapter 18 really, but the series will cover chapters 18 and 19 up to the crucifixion. And one thing you've probably noticed if you've been here uh, two or three weeks now in this series is that everything has slowed down. Uh, And what I mean by that is that the first 12 chapters in John's Gospel basically cover about, give or take some, three years of Jesus' life. But these last chapters cover only just a few days of Jesus' life. And in fact, these chapters 18 and 19 that we're covering are just a few hours of Jesus' life. So it's getting kind of agonizingly slow in some ways. But there's a reason that John does that. And actually, all four of the Gospel writers take a long time to describe the events going up to the crucifixion and resurrection. Do you know why? Because the foundational truth of the Christian faith rests on Christ's incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection. I like that the pace is slowed down in the sermon series... For more reasons than just good storytelling by John. This Lenten season that we're in, whether or not we recognize it or not, is a a built-in season to slow down, to take a break. I don't know about you, but I am constantly distracted by things like gadgets. So, you know, I got this iPhone a few months ago. And I'm at a stop. Oh, there's a message from Jeff Flint. I'm preaching a sermon. I'm looking at this message. Anyway, I'm going to put this down. But... I'm I'm at a stoplight and I'm finding I'm checking my email at that stoplight and people are honking because I'm trying to respond right there. But there's so many distractions. And one of the things that Lent can do for us is slow us down. And that's what this Scripture is doing for us this evening. It might seem like we're going through this really slowly and it's getting redundant. And how many weeks in a row can we hear about the trials of Jesus before the Jews and before Pilate? Granted, I hear that. I'm wrestling with it as I'm preparing these messages. And one of the things I can guarantee you is these won't be the kind of messages where you leave saying, oh, those, those are ten great points that I'm supposed to do with my life. That's not kind of the point of what we're doing in this series. The point of this series is to allow these scriptures that sometimes we read over way too quickly, to allow those words of truth to wash over us and to mess with us on the inside. So, as we engage the text this evening, I wanted to mess with us a little bit. I want us to be asking the question that Pilate asks. What is truth? What is truth? Would you please stand with me as I read the Gospel of John? Not the whole thing, don't worry. Chapter 18, verses 28 through 38. Chapter 18, verses 28 through 38. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas... "...into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter the praetorium, so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover meal. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law." And the Jews said to him, We're not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered, "'I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done?' Jesus answered, "'My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But As it is, my kingdom is not from this realm.' Therefore Pilate said to him, "'You are a king?' Jesus answered, You say correctly that I'm a king. For this I have been born, and for this I've come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? You may be seated. So Jesus has just come out of this interrogation. We ended it last week. He was before Annas, which was the father-in-law of the high priest. And then he goes to Caiaphas. And John gives us about two sentences about that trial before Caiaphas. He had it, and then he left. Now that's because the other Gospels pick it up real nicely. John's kind of assumed that we've read this. So anyway, he leaves Caiaphas's place, and these mob of people... With the, the, the chief priests and Pharisees are leading him into this praetorium, this place where Pilate is hanging out. Now, Pilate is a Roman governor over the whole province of Judea. So think, think uh, if there was a governor over Whatcom County, and his, he sets up shop, let's say, up in Blaine. That's where his normal pad is. That's where he hangs out. But every once in a while, he goes around to other cities in his province to hear the kind of cases that can't be heard by lo- local courts, like the real tough cases uh, capital cases for example bless you so he, he, so now he's coming to Bellingham today and he's going to hear this trial now there are ancient documents that show that sometimes when these governors and, and people travel to other places they might hear hundreds of cases every day in one document it said that in Alexandria, Egypt, one of the Roman prefects went there, he heard 750 cases in one day now, doesn't give you a lot of confidence that they're really listening too much to these cases. It's basically this or this or this or this. And I'm thinking it's a lot of this. Off with their head, off with their head, off with their head. Now, upper-class Romans like Pilate would, would begin hearing cases at, close your ears if you're not a morning person, 6 a.m. That's what time they would start their work day, 6 a.m. Mid-morning to these upper-class Romans was 8 to 9 a.m. All right? And they were done by around noon to 1 p.m. So, Because it's very important for an upper-class Roman to have plenty of time for leisure. People, that you know how they peel the grapes, right, in all the pictures. So this is, this is how it's happening. It's 6 a.m. you could start knocking on the door. In fact, there was a saying that you could uh, go to court when the cock crows. Go to court when the cock crows. That's 6 a.m. Now, remember last week how we ended up when Peter, who was supposed to be the witness representing Jesus, denied he even was a disciple of Christ. And what happened after the third denial? The cock Crowed, signifying one that jesus 's prediction came true, that Peter would deny him, but also because Jesus did not have a witness, he now had to go before this Roman court. background for this whole thing remember, remember, remember it 's Passover season, one of the biggest festivals and if not the biggest festival in all the Jewish calendar. Jerusalem, which was around 80 to 90,000 people, would swell to 200, 250,000 pilgrims all converging on this place. Passover remembers the time when the Jews were held in captivity under Egypt and God, in His wrath, rescued them. And what happened was God killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians as a plague, and the the Jews survived by putting the blood of a lamb over their doorpost, And that's why, even uh, in in this time that Jesus is talking about, uh, over a thousand years later, they're still practicing Passover, so they would be slaughtering, on this night, thousands of lambs, preparing them for the Passover. Now check out how crazy this is. So, these Jewish leaders... Go to the praetorium, which is, uh, you know, uh, Pilate's guest house when he's in Jerusalem. And because he's in there, a Gentile, they won't go in. Because if you go into a Gentile residence, if you're a, a strict Jew, you will be defiled, religiously unclean. Now, so they're thinking... I want to par- I want to party on Passover. I know. We, what do you guys think when we talk about these biblical festivals? Like it's in the Bible. It's probably boring. They eat a lamb. I mean, these dudes are partying. Okay, there's wine flowing. This is a fun thing. They don't want to miss out. So they don't want to defile themselves and look bad, so they can party. Now this is the crazy thing. In John chapter one, how was Jesus first introduced? somebody the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so all these lambs are being prepared these guys just want to get Jesus taken care of so they can go party they don't want to get defiled but they are corrupting justice to bring the Lamb of God to be crucified thick with irony if you're like a literary person this is great reading (laughs) excuse me so Pilate asks when they bring him in there what accusation do you bring against this man and the religious leaders get all bent out of shape notice their reply hey we wouldn't have brought this guy to you at all if you weren't guilty I mean it's a pretty rude response that these Jewish religious leaders make to Pilate who is the governor of the Roman Empire I mean this dude is all powerful he could just say you're done They're pretty rude to him. Why is that? Basically, these two groups hate each other. Pilate and the Jewish religious leaders could not stand each other. And Pilate knew full well why Jesus was there. Because the night before when Jesus was arrested, Pilate's the one who had to authorize those soldiers to help go arrest him. So what's going on here? Why is he playing dumb? I'll tell you why. They're playing games with each other. They're like grown-up children. Pilate knew the charges that were against Jesus, so he's just playing with them saying, oh, what did this guy do? They say, you know what he did. We wouldn't have brought him here if he wasn't guilty. And then Pilate says something really ironic. Go try him yourself then. Knowing full well that these Jewish religious leaders could not put someone to death. Pilate is rubbing it in their face that he has the power to crucify and they have no power to do anything. So they're teasing each other. Sophia's really into teasing me lately. I don't know where she learned that. Probably at that school she goes to where you teach. And... No. She's learning how to tease. So one of the things that Sophia does is sets the table, and uh, she knows that if I have a choice between a salad fork and a supper fork, I I don't like to eat with a salad fork, right? I like the stainless steel tine and heavy weight of a manly fork. So she waits till I sit down, and she has a salad fork at my plate, and goes, hee hee, daddy, what kind of fork do you have? And I'm teasing you. And I say to her, honey, now, it's okay to tease, But you're going to get teased back. I'm just trying to prepare for the world, you guys. I'm just trying to be a good father. So under the ruse of going to get salt and pepper, I I stick some forks in my pocket. Now this, I've just got to confess how depraved your pastor is. This is bad. So I have her say the blessing over dinner. And while she's got her eyes closed, I put her fork under the table, and I put one of Stella's baby's forks in there. And then I switched my salad fork out with one of those big, like, platter forks that you stab raw meat with. And Daddy ate with that fork the whole night and it drove her nuts. (laughs) And it's absolutely silly, isn't it, for a grown man to act that way towards his four-year-old daughter. And that's exactly what John wants us to see right here. These guys are acting like complete fools. Complete buffoons. The Romans, the most powerful nation in the world at the time. They had, arguably historians say, the most advanced justice system in the world. In fact, much of our justice system is based on some of the Roman uh, laws. The Jews arguably had the most noble religion in all of the known world at this time. So you have one of the, the most noble religions, the most advanced justice system, and they're stealing each other's forks at dinner time. You see what I'm saying? John is just making them to look completely stupid. And while they're switching forks on each other, they're putting the God of the universe on trial. What is truth? Not these religious leaders and not Pilate. No, they're living lies. The religious leaders were willing to kill Jesus just to preserve their positions of power. They trusted their political clout more than their own God. Pilate was, in his opinion, in some God-forsaken outpost. He hated being in Judea. Uh, some sources, and they're not verifiable, think that Pilate was born in what is now Scotland. Okay, And so he, he works up through um, the upper classes of Roman society. And so these governorships were... Uh, You know, if he did well in this governorship for a few years, he could get promoted to a better place. Maybe he's got Mediterranean on his mind or something like that. But he hoped this was a stepping stone to his career. And he just wanted to get it over with. And what happens when Pilate just wants to get it over with, he doesn't really engage with the people. He doesn't really care about them. Story after story is told about how cruel he was. How one time he raided the uh, Jewish temple just to create an aqueduct. He had no respect for the Jews or the religion, thought they were some backwoods people, and just couldn't wait to get out of there. And he was a shell of a man who always waffled and always just wanted to secure his little piece of the pie. You ever feel like that? Like your circumstances are just an inconvenience or a necessary evil? A stepping stone for you to get where you want to go. We all do that at times, I think. We pretend to be people we're not. And in the process, we seek we cease to live in the truth. We get obsessed with our own agendas and appearances so that we're no longer whole people. We become fragmented jokes of people no longer truly present all the time, because when we're talking to people, sometimes we're thinking, what are they thinking about me? Do I have something in my teeth? Uh, How am I being perceived? What should I say next? Right? Constantly trying to put on a good face. What is truth? These leaders of the known world were so full of themselves that they see Jesus, not as a... A person, but as an inconvenience to be dealt with, let alone the Son of God. John reminds us that these two groups of buffoons are playing right into God's hands. This is the crazy part. Pilate will end up crucifying Jesus. He will do exactly what these Jews, these Jewish leaders want him to do. And he's going to do it for what he thinks are his own reasons, to preserve his place of power. But John tells us that Jesus is crucified to fulfill His own prediction. That He would have to be lifted up so that all people would come to Him and believe in Him. Isn't it amazing how God knows the hearts of these these men, these leaders, but He still orchestrates His plan through it anyway? On on one hand, it it makes me in awe of God's sovereignty and His plan, how He's able to carry it out. And on the other hand, frankly, it freaks me out. And here's why. I don't want to be the guy that they're writing about years from now saying, that Chris was such a buffoon. But thankfully, God used him anyway. You see, I don't want to play church. I don't want to play Christianity only only to find out that God is just working in spite of me. You know, uh, On the other hand, I'm thankful that He does. But I also want to be receptive to Him. I want to sense His will for me and my leadership and for you and your lives. I'd rather just be honest and say, I am a buffoon. So basically that's my confession. I am. But I'm a buffoon that is loved by God It will be used by God. I think that's the stance we need to have. I'm just saying that right now. I don't always act that way. I think I'm something special sometimes. I think deep down that's what we all want. We don't want to just be working for God out of guilt. But don't we want to know the heart of God? Better yet... I want to find the things that please God also please me. Wouldn't that be awesome? If the things that please God were the things that pleased you. So maybe this would be a great Lenten prayer for us. Father, by your grace, help me to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. Want to say that with me? Father, help me to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. That's a very powerful prayer. Let's continue on with the story. Pilate goes inside and asks Jesus to his face, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asks him kind of a weird question. You ever catch this? He says, Is that your own idea? Or did others tell you about me? Throughout the gospel... John has been telling us that the truth is revealed by the Father. Jesus has been doing all kinds of signs and wonders. He's been doing them in front of all kinds, thousands of people. Any one of those thousands of people could have said, Yeah, I was there when Jesus multiplied five loaves and two fish and fed five thousand. I was there when Lazarus comes out of the tomb. That dude was dead as a doornail for four days. I was there. So you've got all kinds, thousands of people who could attest to the facts of what Jesus did, but only a few believed, right? Only a few believed that Jesus was someone special, the Son of God. So Jesus here is finding out whether Pilate is simply aware of the facts, or is the Father drawing Pilate in? Is the father putting on on Pilate's heart to ask this question, are you the king of the Jews? Well, Pilate's response says it all. I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests brought you to me. What have you done? So Pilate is not being drawn in. He is not seeing the truth. The truth is not revealed to him. He's hardened himself against it. Now, I know it's been several months, like a year, since we've been in John 1. But do you remember the part in the prologue It says, the world was created through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own humanity, the Jewish nation, but His own did not receive Him. Your own chief priests, your own people have brought you to me. What have you done? This is exactly what that prologue is talking about. Jesus came to his own. They didn't receive him. But spoiler alert, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I'm just saying. That's where we're going. Pilate has not received the truth. So Jesus goes on to tell him about his kingdom. And then Pilate says, so you are a king. You are a king then, huh? And Jesus accepts this title. He says, yeah. You say, you say I'm a king? Yeah, I am. And this is why I was born. He said he was born to be king and to come into the world and to testify to the truth. He says that everyone who is of the truth hears his voice and believes. And then Pilate asks what we all want to know. What is truth? You know, Jesus, you come and you talk about this truth. You're a king. You're revealing truth. What is truth? Because if you're Pontius Pilate, I'll tell you what truth is. Truth is how I get mine. And here's the truth, Jesus. You might say you're a king and you come from this other kingdom, but I have the power to crucify you. And that's what Pilate thinks truth is. Raw brute force. There are endless ways we could approach this question, what is truth? We could begin by asking, well, what is real? And how does one define truth? And in our relativistic context, is there absolute truth? And I'm not going to talk about those things, actually. Talk later. Talk to Ryan Wasserman, who is a philosophy PhD from a Jewish and Christian perspective, Jesus is talking about much more than a set of facts that one should adopt as truth, okay? He's giving us more than information. He's giving us revelation. You catch that? Truth is more than just information. It is revelation. Up until Jesus showed up in a manger, Jesus, uh, up until he, he was born, the greatest form of revelation was what Karina read from Exodus 34. God gave us His law. And He showed His backside to Moses one time. Um, that's about as If God is truth and is revealing this truth, that is the closest thing to revelation that we had before Jesus. But Jesus is not from this world. But the first chapter of John tells us that He made our world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word is Jesus. The truth is Jesus was there at the beginning, and He sustains all life even now. Which, by the way, I don't care who you encounter during the day. When you encounter a living, breathing human being... You're encountering someone who is alive because of the will of Christ. He's sustaining your life right now. The truth is, Jesus was there at the beginning, sustains our life, and the ironic thing is that the, the religious leaders in Pilate were actually condemning the very God who's like making them alive right then holding their cells together. Jesus came to testify about the truth, and the truth is that through our sin and corruption, our selfish choices, we have damaged not only the earth, we've done that, but we've damaged the world. And when I say the world, I'm talking about kind of just the spirit of what it means to be human. We've kind of damaged our outlook of what it means to be a whole person. And in our culture, you, know, you might say things like, well, to be fully human is to be successful. And that means a certain amount of things in our culture, doesn't it? It means you know, maybe you own a house or maybe you have stuff paid off or maybe you're financially secure or you have some kind of position. Maybe you get, you're on TV. That would be pretty cool in our culture. But we've we've corrupted the earth and the world. We've lost tr- uh, track of what truth really is. And First John one eight says, "If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us." Okay. But deep down, deep down, whether you can admit it now or not, I think we all know that that's true. We mask our faults. Because we don't like it to be true. We don't like it to be true that we're fallen and sinful. So we mask it, and we're always trying to maybe be busy doing good things, but it's out of guilt, right? Or we try to impress, or we try and justify. Yesterday, a group of us went to the a leadership, a covenant leadership thing down in Olympia, and Peter Sung spoke, and he said that he did a research. Uh, a psychology research thing and it said that 75% of the average American's words are spent justifying ourselves. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words trying to put a front on to be accepted, to be passable to people. Sometimes we're angry and jealous and judgmental, and we're afraid to admit it to ourselves, and we're definitely afraid to admit it to each other or to God. The truth that Jesus is testifying to is that we are in serious trouble, and every one of us is in the same boat. If we don't see it, then the Word says we're not walking in the truth. There's more. Jesus says that, yes. Every one of us is broken. But there's good news. There's rescue. John also says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father, but through me. Jesus came to testify about the truth that he made us, that he made our world. The truth that we've rebelled against Him and damaged our world. And then the good news that through Him and Him alone, He will restore us and our world. And I think that the truth is that Jesus would rather have us be honest about where we're really at than to be some well-adjusted member of society where everything looks good on the outside. We cannot really respond to this grace unless we come to grips with The fact that we need the grace. We can't really love Jesus if we don't think we need Jesus. Think about that with someone you love in your life. I was thinking about that with Corey. I absolutely need her in my life. You know? It's the way that God's designed our relationship. And... I think if I didn't, I'm not sure how I could truly love her. The same thing is true with with Jesus. You know, we sing great songs, and we're in these communities where we pray together and read the Scriptures together. But you guys, the older I get, the more I'm confronted with how screwed up I am, and how I use my daughter's prayer time to switch her fork up and ridiculous things. But I need Jesus, and I love Him more and more because I need Jesus. As amazing as that is, there's nothing quite as amazing to me as the fact that Jesus testified to the truth by becoming one of us, by leaving His realm of security and entering ours. Jesus came not just to talk about God and His truth, but to live it out, to embody it. When we see Jesus, we see God. So if you've ever thought, oh, I wonder what God's like... Look at Jesus and you see the Father, the living truth. Now, do you want to know why it's such a big deal to Pilate that he finds out if Jesus is a king or not? You know, he was always asking him that. Are you king of the Jews? So you, are, you know, so you are a king. Because in the ancient world, there's only two ways to become king. Either you inherit the throne from your father or you take it by the sword. Now, Pilate's looking at a guy who's Jewish, who knows he's not a relative of Caesar Augustus, So if Jesus is claiming to be a king, then he'd be a threat, wouldn't he? That's why the Romans held so tightly to the death penalty. Whenever they conquered a land, they took away the right for those indigenous people to have their own death penalty. That's why the religious leaders could not crucify Jesus. You know why? Because in the world system... The most power you can have is the power of death. You ever think about that? Why do nations like, well, the U.S. get their way a lot of times? Because we can. Why does Pilate get his way and everything? Or Rome? Because they can. They can take your life away. Well, Jesus is not from this world. But he loves it. Jesus came to testify about the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is not the kind of king that settles accounts with the sword. Jesus is the kind of king that, or not the kind of king that adjusts truth to his own political agenda. I don't know if you've read recently, but uh, the, the whole thing with Turkey and Armenia lately. In 1915, uh, Turkey killed hundreds of thousands of Armenians, uh, not only soldiers, but men, women, and children. And since that time, Armenia has argued uh, that they they would just like the dignity of having the world say, you know, that was genocide. And so uh, the United States was actually an ally of Turkey as kind of waffled on that, but last week there was a vote, uh, 23 to 22, that from the United States that we say that event was genocide. Well, Turkey, in Turkey we have a base that's crucial for striking in the Middle East and things like that. Turkey got all riled up about this and was saying they're going to kick us out and all kinds of things. And so, our administration rescinded on that and so we're still not calling it genocide. Now I bring that up as an example because I do not know all the facts there but it is an example let's say it's not even real. The example being that political power can bend the truth it either was genocide or it wasn't right? Hundreds of th- but political powers can bend the truth to support their own goals. And Jesus is not that kind of king. The truth cannot be bent with Jesus. And you know know what's really cool? His kingdom is breaking in to ours. And he's inviting you and I to come and to be a part of that. So the Jewish religious leaders and the Romans, the highest court in the world, are putting the truth himself on trial. The world is condemning the truth. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus, the truth, is allowing this to happen so that through His sacrifice He might save the world. you know what that includes Pilate and those religious leaders? If they wanted to repent after Jesus resurrected, I believe He would accept them. Grace has no bounds. If they were to repent, He died for them too. That's, isn't that amazing? In fact, there was a Roman soldier who, when Jesus died, he just, he says, surely this was the Son of God. The world's truth is expressed through the sword, by bending it to fit our molds. God's truth is His real presence. It's His hospitality in inviting, I say this in the most endearing way, Losers like us to His table. Jesus died to include the world, to gather around to a common table. He died for you and me, and He calls us to then extend that kind of grace to other people. So if you've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus, extend that forgiveness to other people. Testify to the truth through your love, through your hospitality. Friends, there is no one in our community that should feel like an outsider among us. Now as nice as we are, and I love this church, that's not true yet. I don't don't think that's true yet. Because I know my own heart. There should be no one who encounters us who feels left out. What is truth? Jesus is truth. He's the one who created the universe, including you and me, and the truth is that we're not God, and we fail at caring for God's creation, fail at loving one another. The truth is, we don't like to fail, so we pretend, and we wear masks, and we live false lives, and the truth is that Jesus came, He's God incarnate, to set us free. You know, one of our core values as a church, right, is authenticity and acceptance. And, you know, you could read that in one way and say, oh, that's such a, I don't know, cliche thing to say in the 21st century church. And, oh, that sounds so lovey-dovey. You know why that's one of our core values? Because to be authentic and accepted is to be truly human, To stop wearing the mask. To live in the reality of our forgiveness. To live in the reality that Christ has died for our mistakes. Christ has died for our character flaws. Christ has died for our idiosyncrasies and the things that we can't stand about ourselves or can't stand about each other. So the church of all places ought to be a place where we can be authentic and be accepted. And that is not license to to stay in a rut and to have really bad character. It's a license to be loved. And I think, I think, that if we have an environment where we can really be known and really be loved, I'm going to want nothing more than to have better character over time. It is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. I'm on a tangent now. The truth is we need forgiveness, and when we accept it, we realize we can be our true selves. True selves' failures and all. And in the meantime, we are called to bear witness to this good news by inviting others to taste and see that Jesus is good. In fact, uh, I just want you to know that our pastoral advisory team... Uh, has taken uh, an oath over the last month. And uh, it, it's a, we've tasked ourselves with inviting one person who doesn't know Christ just over to a meal at our house to just open the table of hospitality. Or, or a meal, there. it doesn't have to be at our house. But anyway, to, to spend that time. I just want you to know that as, as your leadership, we're trying to live this out. And you know it's not easy. But let me just extend that challenge uh, informally to you to be a witness to this hospitality of God by opening up your table, your life, to someone else. And as we close, I want to challenge us with three questions. I know I didn't give you like, oh, here's ten steps to a greater life. Well, let me challenge you with three questions in light of this news. Why am I afraid to live in the truth of who I am? Why? Why am I afraid to live in the truth of who I am? Two: Does my fear make any sense if Jesus is King? Does my fear make any sense if Jesus is King? And three: How can I be more inclusive of others? How can I be more inclusive of others? We're just going to flow right into our time of prayers for healing. So I'm going to ask Jeannie to come forward. She's going to be at this kneeling bench. and You know, this would be a great time to ponder those three questions. This would be a great time to come forward if you'd like prayer in an area of your life.